Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of CT of the aorta and its branches, looking at some of the acute processes. Now, we spoke a little bit about the SMA in the last talk, looking at SMA for ischemia, looking at the SMA for SMA syndrome, but now let's look at superior mesenteric artery aneurysms. They account for about 5.5% of all visceral artery aneurysms. They most commonly present with abdominal pain and GI bleeding. Aneurysms commonly affect the proximal 5CM of the artery. SMA aneurysms occur more commonly in men than women and have a rupture rate of about 38%. Pseudoaneurysms of the SMA are most often caused by arterial dissection, while true aneurysms are most often caused by septic emboli. We often will see aneurysms as a complication of surgery, including pancreatic surgery. SMA aneurysms are the third most common visceral artery aneurysm predominantly in men in the fifth decade of life. As we mentioned, uh, up to 50% of patients present with a rupture with a mortality rate approaching 30%. These aneurysms can be fusiform, acacular, and typically proximally in the vessel. And the patient's symptoms are often colicky abdominal pain, but rarely a pulsatile mass. Now, the typical causes of SMA aneurysms, atherosclerotic diseases, number one, trauma or surgery, inflammation or vasculitis, collagen vascular disease, and fibromuscular dysplasia. When you talk about a true aneurysm, it means weakening of all three layers of the artery without rupture. It's typically incidental and it has continuous wall calcification commonly. Pseudoaneurysms are caused by injury to the vessel wall with collection of blood between one or two layers and adjacent parenchyma. It's non-incidental, symptomatic with pain or hypotension is common. It can be caused by trauma, including surgical trauma or inflammation. You can see adjacent hemorrhage, and you can see extensive mural thrombus and discontinuous wall calcification. Here are some examples of SMA aneurysms. They can be large or they can be small. This, I think I always like to say, is the largest SMA aneurysm I've ever seen. This is a patient with Lois Dietz syndromes where they get many aneurysms and vessel tortuosity. Look at the size of that patient's SMA aneurysm, up to 3.5 centimeters, uh, particularly impressive proximally, some thrombus in the wall, and the vessel is tortuous. You also can see in this patient with Lois Dietz the fact that there were multiple aneurysms. Forget what's in the chest, just look at the patient's right common iliac artery in addition to that SMA. Here's another example. This is a patient with celiac occlusion, had abdominal pain. You can see the SMA aneurysm. You also can see that it's partially calcified. Uh, we talk about renal artery aneurysms. We talk about splenic artery aneurysms, commonly calcified. But SMA artery aneurysms can also not uncommonly calcify. Here's another example, abdominal pain and aneurysm. And you also can see, in addition to the aneurysm, there is a suggestion of focal dissection in the SMA. You can see the vessels were a bit irregular more distally. You also can see how the sagittal views, whether it's sagittal alone with thin slabs or with MIP or with volume rendering can be very helpful. Now, when you talk about SMA vasculitis, there are many different vasculinities that can involve the SMA. Um, complications include wall thickening, luminal stenosis, and microaneurysms. Systemic lupus, SLE, most common in females and young middle-aged adults. 
CT findings may include bowel dilatation, wall thickening, engorged distal mesenteric vessels, the comb sign, and ancillary findings including renal pathology, Takayashu's, which is large vessel disease, commonly involves the SMA in up to 40% of cases, uh, is more common in females and patients of Asian descent. You can see high-grade proximal osteostenosis of the SMA. Um, other diseases, large vessel diseases, giant cell arteritis is rare, but a treatable cause of ischemia. And I showed you a case before of polyuritis nodosa, and that's considered medium vessel disease, more common in middle age to uh, older adults, multiple microaneurysms of the SMA. And the case I showed you was SMA. It was also the renal arteries. Um, so many vessels can be involved. It's important for the interventionalist to recognize the involvement of these multiple vessels. The most common treatment for vasculitis would be corticosteroids and immunosuppressive drugs to reduce inflammation. Stenting of SMA vasculitis is uncommon and usually performed in the chronic phase of disease. Angioplasty or stenting may be used with high-grade proximal SMA stenosis. That's refractory to treatment. And CT evaluation for tortuosity, length, and location of stenosis in branch vessels can prove to be very helpful for preoperative planning. Coil embolization is preferred for aneurysms. Again, CTA can show you the size of the aneurysm, the location of the neck, the presence or absence of calcification, and help you decide whether coiling is indeed the right solution. Here's a nice example of SMA vasculitis. Image on your left, a patient with Takayashu's where there is abdominal pain, but there's narrowing of the vessel, but there's no calcification. There's soft tissue thickening. And the image on your right, giant cell arteritis, soft tissue thickening, long segment involvement, but no critical stenosis. So again, very important the sagittal view, but important to look for vessel narrowing as well as soft tissue thickening around the vessel, which typically is a very common finding with vasculitis. I showed you in part this case before, a patient with polyuritis nodosa with multiple renal artery aneurysms. You can see branches off the SMA here with aneurysms as well as to the left, as well as aneurysms within the splenic artery. So multiple vessels involved, multiple different sites of aneurysms. Here's the kidney very nicely, as well as some splenic artery aneurysms. Here's another patient with a PE and SMA clot and renal infarction. Uh, multiple vessel embolic phenomena. You can see in the sagittal view, the SMA is occluded. Okay, you don't see any flow distally. But you look at the aorta, there's minimal calcification. The IMA is patent. The, S the uh, celiac is patent. It's the SMA that's occluded. And you can see a very extensive occlusion. There are also infarcts in the left kidney. Again, the thing to recognize, of course, is with vasculitis, there are many different organ systems involved often in any one case. And as you looked at this case more closely, you see this thrombus in the patient's left atrial appendage, and then there's occlusion of the patient's SMA. And again, a very nice example of embolic phenomena causing vessel occlusion, leading to a bowel ischemia. And of course, you can see a large thrombus present, and then you see the thickened dilated bowel, early changes of ischemia, 
If the patient is operated now, they probably will do well. Low morbidity and mortality, the thrombus will be removed, and hopefully you will not need to resect bowel as flow will be preserved. Now, we often are having problems with, in the ER setting, especially people want non-contrast scans. And this is more of an issue in the COVID era where nobody wants to do anything to the patients. But you look at this case with abdominal pain, and I can't tell you much. Is the SMA or the celiac a bit prominent? But I can't tell you much. But then when I give contrast, look at the SMA. There's a dissection present. And the dissection tracks fairly far down in the vessel. And there it is very nicely on the sagittal view. But if you don't give contrast, if you don't time it properly, if you're not careful and you don't look at the vessels, you would miss that dissection. And you can see the patient has multiple other dissections in the vessel and beating in the vessel. Things you think about vasculitis, including fibromuscular dysplasia, uh, SMA dissection type issues. Again, beautiful example, multiple abnormalities in the SMA and its branches. Now, when you look at the section of the splanchnic arteries, intimal flap, thrombos, false lumen, and aneurysm dilatation are the most common CT findings of spontaneous splanchnic artery dissection. In splanchnic artery dissection, conservative management without anticoagulation has good outcome except in patients with bowel ischemia. One of the things to recognize is before people were very aggressive, they put stents in, they'd operate. Now there's a little bit more caution and the outcome becomes very good. In this article from Hopkins, the superior mesenteric artery SMA provides vital blood to the midgut and an acute abnormality can rapidly precipitate bowel ischemia and infarction and lead to morbidity and mortality. Vascular diseases that compromise the SMA include occlusion, like thrombus, dissection, rupture, pseudoaneurysm, vasculitis, and, and hemorrhage into the bowel. Again, the emergency situation, we often see it through the emergency room, and the imaging on CT can help the vascular surgeon as well as the interventional radiologist make the right decisions. Now, when you speak about SMA dissection, Isolated spontaneous dissection is rare compared to combined aortic and SMA dissection. Same thing with renal arteries. We see renal artery dissections, but most commonly I see aortic dissection extending into the renal arteries or the celiac or the SMA or all the vessels. SMA dissection is the most common type of visceral artery dissection. Again, increased incidence in males age 50 to 70. The typical entry point of this section is one to six centimeters from its origin with a mean of about 2.6 centimeters. And the clinical presentation, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, bloody stools, or the patient could even be asymptomatic. Causes of SMA dissection, we mentioned hypertension, connective tissue diseases, vasculitis, atherosclerotic disease, and trauma. There is an article which talks about four different types of SMA dissections, and you can see it here. My goal, truthfully, is find the SMA dissection and report it. But there are four different categories for you. Now, in that article, um, again, Pam was a senior author, MDCT findings, direct management, aortic dissection, length and diameter of dissection, presence and absence of re-entry, involvement of distal branches, patency of true and false lumen, collateral branches of SMA, presence of hematoma or bowel ischemia. And again, the treatment options will be medical, surgical, or endovascular approaches. 
And again, I will not go through the different approaches, but just to make the point that the close interaction between us and the interventional radiologists and the vascular surgeons, uh, someone like Jim Black at Hopkins who has massive experience and knows how to handle these patients, and the importance of when surgery is needed uh, with, for example, bowel necrosis, impending arterial rupture or increasing size of the aneurysm, and in those cases, aorto-SMA bypass, intimectomy, endoaneurysmal apathy or arteriotomy with thrombectomy are all things that can be within management. Here's a nice example of uh, a SMA dissection. You see it on the axial view. You appreciate the extent of narrowing and then the dissection on the sagittal view, including the volume rendering as well as MIP images. You see the focal dilatation as well. And again, the 3D mapping is particularly helpful in this case. Here's another example with SMA dissection in Marfan syndrome. You can see the extent of the dissection, not at the origin of the vessel, but a couple centimeters in, and you can see it tracks downward. Or in this case, again, dissection and occlusion, okay, in this patient with abdominal pain. So when you see one finding like dissection, you want to make sure you're not missing thrombus. When you see one vessel involved, you want to make certain you're not missing vasculitis in multiple vessels. So it's very important to really do an organized approach to looking at all of the vessels. Here's a classic example of aortic dissection, type B, with extension into the SMA. And as we mentioned, the most common time we see SMA dissection is when we see abdominal aortic dissection, and one tracks into the other. So that becomes very important. Now, in visceral artery aneurysms, some of the facts, splenic artery aneurysms are most common, up to 70% of all visceral artery aneurysms. It's significantly less common are hepatic artery or celiac, Splenic artery aneurysms are more common amongst multiparous women, while hepatic and GDA aneurysms are more common in men. Celiac and SMA aneurysms equally reported in both sexes. When you look at etiologies for visceral artery aneurysms, atherosclerosis is number one most common, but that's only a third of cases. Again, vasculitis, collagen vascular disease, infection, FMD, trauma, and iatrogenic and idiopathic causes. When you find an aneurysm, keep looking because multiple aneurysms are found in up to one-third of cases, and that's particularly true in patients with connective tissue diseases. In terms of treatment, symptomatic aneurysms are at high risk for rupture and should be treated more aggressively. Conservative management is typically when an aneurysm is under 2cm. When it's 2cm or greater, typically something's going to be done. Calcified aneurysm thought to be an indicator of chronicity and stability, and so people tend to be more conservative when the aneurysm has very dense calcification. So let's look at splenic artery aneurysms real quickly. Define this dilatation greater than one centimeter in diameter. As I mentioned, the most common type of visceral artery aneurysm, 80% or more asymptomatic. Occasionally, patients present with epigastric pain, nausea, vomiting, or anorexia. Spontaneous rupture is the presenting complication in about 10% of cases, but more commonly in aneurysms that indeed are very large. 
like most aneurysm, the causes, atherosclerosis, number one, FMD, vasculitis, patients with cirrhosis and portal hypertension, not uncommon to get splenic artery aneurysms, which is important to recognize if patients are getting liver transplant. Then, of course, systemic hypertension, and again, I put down atherosclerosis twice. Now, splenic artery pseudoaneurysms, most of the time that's associated with patients with repeated episodes of pancreatitis, not one episode, multiple episodes, so that the pancreatic fluid erodes the vessel. The same reason we see pseudo um, cyst tracking within the spleen, which track along the vessels in patients with repeated episodes of pancreatitis. Splenic artery pseudoaneurysms can also be seen in trauma as a post-op complication and as a complication of peptic ulcer disease. Patients' presentations, abdominal pain, melana, hematemesis, pseudoaneurysms rupture in up to 37% of cases with mortality then approaching 90%. So you can't wait for rupture. When you see that aneurysm over 2CM, intervention is necessary. So some examples, a nice one centimeter aneurysm splenic artery near the hilum. You'll probably watch this and follow it. Here's a patient with portal hypertension, about a two centimeter aneurysm near the hilum, but I am more concerned because of the portal hypertension and the fact this patient will need a transplant, something will typically be done. Splenic artery aneurysms can often be multiple when you have tortuous splenic arteries, but again, these are typically, as in this case, multiple small lesions under two centimeters, so you're gonna sit tight on there. It's important also when you see one aneurysm, as I mentioned, look for another. That patient had a splenic artery aneurysm, but also a GDA aneurysm, and the GDA is the one most likely to bleed. We talk about calcification. Here, the lumen's opacified, but the entire lesion is calcified, very nicely shown. And you can see here several splenic artery aneurysms near each other that are calcified. And then we talk about giant. This is over four centimeters, roughly five cm. These are the ones where you need intervention because these have a high propensity to rupture. There's no fluid around the aneurysm now, but you don't want to wait on this. That's something that's going to be taken care of very quickly. Large splenic artery aneurysm. Just a beautiful example. One of the best examples I have of a very large aneurysm. Now, we mentioned some of the vasculitides. We mentioned connective tissue disease. Here's a good example, Ehlers-Danlos, where you see celiac aneurysms as well as multiple splenic artery aneurysms. You can see the uh, almost beating of the splenic artery with these multiple aneurysms present. Again, a very classic thing in Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Here's just a few more views of that. Again, showing you some of the cinematic rendering and how nicely it shows you the aneurysms. Just a very nice example, and here's that same case again. And here's just one more set of views. I guess I really like this case. Now, I mentioned splenic artery pseudoaneurysms to you. Pseudoaneurysms most commonly are of underlying causes, like this patient had pancreatitis. Pseudoaneurysms will bleed and rupture. They need aggressive management. And you can see one here very nicely. There's a pseudoaneurysm. This was eventually resected. There it is right there on the MIP imaging. Here's another patient who was an athletic. He was found down. The splenic artery aneurysm ruptured when they first took him to the hospital. They saw retroperitoneal blood, but they didn't see this patient's pseudoaneurysm because it was compressed by the blood. Eventually, this was um, embolized. 
and the patient did fine. You can see a few more images, and you can see actually what remains of some of the blood from the patient's initial presentation. Again, very nicely shown. So what about the renal artery? Well, let's do this. Let's take a break. I'm actually running out of power on my computer. I'm getting a warning sign, but I was going to take a break anyway. It's been about almost 20 minutes on this talk. And let's come back and let's do part three of the vessels of the aorta in the abdomen and some of the acute processes we like to discuss. And with that, see you in a few minutes. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.